and verse number eight. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about what the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me. I've been asked a couple of times uh, in the last month, actually, from different ministers, how do you prepare your sermon? And um, I wish there was a set pattern, uh, but, and maybe it's not like this for everyone, but sometimes the Lord just draws me to something. Sometimes it's in my sleep and sometimes it's just during the course of reading. I will have to confess to you today that Nehemiah was not in my mind. But the Lord kept speaking his name, Nehemiah, to me. And I... um, I was praying that the Lord will help me. And he... As I started to read the book again... It was a it was a clear revelation, though simplistic, um, that I felt the Lord wanted me to share with you today. Now I am kind of getting to the end of what would be an arduous process in the reading. Are you all with me now? And I'm, I'm kind of in what would be a conclusion or the, not necessarily a summary, but the conclusion of the matter as it pertained to Nehemiah. And so I'm, I'm really walking into the middle of this narrative because he's repeating what was said and then what he said. Um, so verse 8 Nehemiah speaking then I sent unto him saying there are no such things done like you are saying but thou feignest them out of you've made them up for they all made us afraid (laughs) saying their hands shall be weakened from the work it won't get done. But now Nehemiah is coming back to speak his own prayer. Now, therefore, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Amen. He spoke that in relation, direct relation to the accusation. Verse 9 again that their hands would be weakened. But he prayed, O oh God, strengthen my hands. And I want to speak to you t- today about hidden and prevailing spirits. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Jesus' name. And all the people speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Perhaps we could just invoke his name one more time with our hearts open and our hands lifted and our, and our mouths open. 
we implore you, Jesus, to be here. Let your name rest upon this house and upon what we're doing. And let your wonder and your grace and your mercy be prevalent now. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Unto you be all glory and honor and praise, power and might, forever and ever. Amen. Holy is the Lamb of God. You have taken away the sin of the world. You've endowed us with power and strength. You've given us power to be a witness. You are the great God in heaven and earth and in this house. Be the God of the house of God. Be the Lord of this temple. Be the Lord of our lives, the light of the world. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you and I thank you. You may be seated. When the second temple was built, the the only opposition to its construction seems to have come from a few aristocrats in Samaria. If you read your Bible, you would note that it was not given its form without struggle, but the people were very pleased that a new temple was under construction. For full disclosure at the groundbreaking of the second temple, um, when they drew out and laid the foundations of it, some of the older men cried because they saw its limitations The second temple would never assume the beauty or grandeur, uh, the length or width, the height of Solomon's temple. Perhaps those older men knew how much was wasted and lost through the years. I will not condemn them for their tears. Maybe they realized the price that was paid for a sinful nation. It it grips me that the Lord can use us and he can restore us, but sin does diminish you. So I, I think we can be restored in many ways, but sinful nations have a difficult time regaining their original foundations and sinful churches and sinful people and sinful families they have a difficult time regaining all that they lost it's it's because the devil has come to steal to kill and to destroy that's right there's some moments of innocence you may not get back though you can go to heaven be saved and feel confident in your spirit. At the same time, a, a new generation of worshipers were rejoicing because they really hadn't seen what was lost. The Bible states that the noise of the weeping and the celebration 
compounding was so loud and mixed they could not tell the weeping from the rejoicing. That new generation of worshipers were shouting praises to God. They knew that the second temple was smaller than the first, of course. But, but they said, we're not going to despise the day of small things. Because the day of small things has potential to become a great thing. And while I recognize foolish mistakes and the damage of poor decisions and where the wrong path can lead, I know what may be lost through the years, even still I have chosen to rejoice over the small things. I will not despise the day of small things. I'm happy to come to this house today and hear the choir sing. Just to walk into this atmosphere where our musicians and singers have led me. I've heard those songs before, but they've given me a fresh sense of the spirit of a loving God. And I want to say I'm thankful. And I've chosen to be thankful. I have a right to praise God. So whatever comes my way, and it may be something not grand to you, but I'm singing let the song of the king rise among us. I just want to say, it may not be a big thing. Maybe it's a small thing, but I, I do stand here to say, I'm thankful today. I'm grateful today. I've chosen to praise the Lord. I'm, I'm not going to stop praising him. And even if I don't have all the strength that I had yesterday or 50 years ago or 30 years ago or 20 years ago, I still stand to say, thank you, Lord, for being good because I chose to do that. The foundation may not be as large. All, all that you wanted may not have come to pass, but you're still here. And I want to say that's more than enough. You're still here. Don't despise it. You're still standing. You're still worshiping. You still came to the church today and you still lifted up your hands and said, thank you, Lord. And you still spoke his name. And you may not have it all together and we don't need to raise our hands who doesn't have it all together because it would be a, a massive course. Nobody has it together. But we came in here and said, thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for picking me up today. I'm not foolish enough to, to tell you that everything everywhere is going to be recovered and everything about your city, your state, your nation, your family is all going to be the same like it was. But I can tell you we are not going to despise the day of a small thing. Like the mother who was praying for her son and he never said he would come until one day. She praised God because she said he did not say no. Some of us need to just thank God because they didn't say no. You're waiting for a yes and you're waiting for to get over the, over the mountain and, and through the Red Sea before you worship God. You ought to be praising God because they didn't say no. You ought to be praising God because you still have hope. You ought to be praising God because the scent of water can still recover the cut down tree.
Everybody's just waiting for something grand and big and waiting for someone to get out of a wheelchair and eyes open. All of that can happen. But I want to tell you, you can rejoice over everything because the Lord is good in every way. Yes. Amen. Amen. The second temple took a while to build it. I think historically, biblically, we look at it about 20 years in the process, but far longer than it should have. But Zerubbabel did the work, and he knew it was accomplished. He knew it was accomplished by the by and through the Lord. The word came, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Here's another version. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who despises the day of small things? Men will rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Really not much trouble. Struggle, but ultimately the second temple found its footing, the walls and the roof line, but... 71 years later, the temple that was built by Zerubbabel had fallen on hard times. It had been ransacked. It began like most lives begin. Worship and sacrifice, order and law. But it didn't take long before wandering men came through and they set up their own forms of worship. And in just a handful of years, they lost the purity of their sacrifices. The reason for that is very simple. There were walls that were broken down and gates that had been burned. And when there is no protection or boundary, anything goes. And anyone can bring in their own idea, their own animal, their own tradition, gods even, vain philosophies, because nothing could keep it out. A single generation passed until Nehemiah carried the burden to rebuild the walls around the temple. Not the temple, just the walls. Because the walls were broken down. The gates had been burned with fire. The outline of where they once stood was there, but the walls were lame, sprawled out, breaches, openings, nothing to protect the most precious place. And Nehemiah knew that to rebuild the wall was a good work. He knew it was a necessary work. But the moment he took up the cause, there was immediate opposition unlike anything, fine, build the temple, but not the wall. Three men stood against Nehemiah. Here are their names. Geshem, Sambalah, and Tobiah. I read. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to stir up trouble against it. The entire time Nehemiah was building and rebuilding those walls, those three men said every discouraging word they could find. Nehemiah has brought workers together to rebuild a broken down wall. He could not hide his heavy heart. He had been the cupbearer for the king of Persia, but the king knew that something was wrong. It was nothing short of a miracle that the king of Persia would give permission and supplies to Nehemiah so that he could have the material and the money, the resources to do the work. But those three men, Geshem, Sambalah and Tobiah accused Nehemiah of disobeying the Persian king. He put fear in them. He spoke fear into their hearts so that they were afraid. 
they had to resist that. It became so bad that Nehemiah had to tell his men to put a tool in one hand, a trial in one hand, and a sword in the other. They were working and defending at the same time. On one hand, they were lifting and carrying, setting new pins and gates, resetting broken down stones. And on the other hand, they were ready for a fight, keeping a leery eye on what might be coming against them. The simple truth is that Nehemiah was doing a good work, but the enemy hates a good work. He hates a good work. The enemy does not stand silent. Nehemiah was doing the right thing. That's called righteousness. Doing the right thing is simply righteousness. But the enemy always opposes the efforts of righteousness. Are you hearing me? You hearing me now? You take a step to do the right thing. And immediately there will be resistance. You're not wrestling against people. But there's flesh and blood that you might have some resistance with. But this is principalities and powers. You set out to be right. To live right. To do good. Establish your daily Bible reading. Make a commitment, I'm going I'm to read my daily Bible in the morning. I promise you, the moment you commit, the devil's on your, he's, 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 got, he's got you in his sights. Go ahead right now, just say, tomorrow morning I'm going to go on a fast. The moment you say it out of your mouth, you're already terribly hungry. And you're wondering, <laughs> how much can I eat today? <laughs> And then by the end of the night, you're going to say, you know what? Maybe that was just me. I'll skip breakfast. Okay, maybe not all of breakfast. The moment you, you think, I'm going to be more committed. Something's going to happen to you. Because the enemy will never, he will never stay silent. If you do wrong, everybody's cheering you, giving you the thumbs up. Stand up for truth and decency, and you'll need a winter coat to save you from the cold shoulders. Just think you're better than everybody else. (laughs) I'm going to take my time here. Nehemiah, he saw this need. It hurt his heart. He is carrying the burden. He's giving the cup. He's filling the drink of the Persian king. I don't know why it was. The kings were not so kind to their captives, but the Persian king looked on him. What's wrong, Nehemiah? I got a heavy heart, king. We have a temple over in Jerusalem, but the walls are broken down and The temple worship is being destroyed because nothing is protecting the temple. And that Persian king gives permission and provisions and a workforce and he goes to rebuild the walls. He did it the right way, but the right way is never welcomed by the enemy. Watch now. Nehemiah did not have a burden for the walls. He had a burden for the temple. He loved the temple, but the temple was no good without its protection. Because a temple without walls will soon fail to be a temple. 
Just think now. I don't want to unpack everything for you. Just get the mind of God. Think a little bit. And Nehemiah loved the temple. He, he just knew that if God was going to be worshipped, there had to be purity in it. Jesus called it worshiping in spirit and in truth. But the opposition came, and it came in the form of three men with three distinct spirits, hidden, yes, but prevailing. Those spirits attached themselves to those men because that's what spirits do. They need a host. They're always looking for a host. And there's no greater host than people. The animals would rather die than host an evil spirit. Look it up in your Bible. But people will entertain spirits and allow that spirit to work in them. And that spirit began with fear because that is the first basis of the enemy against your life to put fear. They moved into frailty and then they moved to belittling. There were accusations. And they accused Nehemiah of being prideful and rebellious, out of order, ill-equipped, not able. It's a consistent pattern among those three men. They say similar things. And this is what the Lord spoke to my spirit. A few different words, but a, a prevailing spirit. Sambala is the ringleader. He's the out front voice because there's always someone in that crowd that speaks first and loudest. And he, he moves in fear and doubt. He's angry about it. Sambala said, and I quote, in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? A lot of questions that, that were not asked for an answer. They were, they were asked to, to invoke or plant a seed of doubt and fear. Can they bring the stones back to life? As if anyone can bring a stone back to life. Look at the heap of rubble burned as they are. You won't finish. Let me tell you the spirit. I'm going to tell you about the spirit of this man and the spirit of the age and the spirit that afflicts our churches today and all of our people. And you think demonic spirits are this witchcraft thing and voodoo and eyes rolling back in their, someone's head and some kind, of, uh, some kind of weird mysticism thing. I will tell you what the Lord showed me. He showed me that the greatest spirit that's rising up against the modern day church right now is a spirit of discouragement. I said, Lord... Really? And he showed me the scripture and he says, look at the people wherever you go and I'll show you what discouragement brings. You won't finish. Your effort's not worth it. Discouragement. You're too frail. You're too weak. Discouragement. And Tobiah, the second man, he's the accuser. He declares weakness himself. Here's verse 3. Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him. And he said, even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Because what you're doing is not going to last. Your home's not going to last. Your marriage is not going to last. Your commitment's not going to last. Your relationship with God's not going to last. You won't finish your Bible reading. You won't finish your prayer time. Your commitment's not going to last. 
It's never going to stand the test of time. It's just flat out discouragement. And that spirit binds up your, your own spirit. That demonic spirit binds up your resolve. You start feeling bad about yourself. And then here's number three, Gershom. I'll, I'll get further. Gershom, he confirms. This is interesting. This is the guy who confirms. He barely says a word. He just seconds the lie. He says, I second it. Here's Nehemiah 6 and 6. In which was written, it is reported among the nations. And Gershom, Gershom says it's true. Yep, I agree. I agree. Gershom is a factor, not because of what he says, but because he affirms the word of discouragement. He's shaking his head. As if Gershom or Gesham is the ambassador of honesty. That's not true. That's what this prevailing spirit does. It uses people with pretty good reputations to confirm a lie. Yeah, I heard that too. I, that's true. That's true. Because they know out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. You know, the devil uses the Bible also. You think that the enemy doesn't know the Bible? He knows the Bible better than you do. He won't just bring one accuser, but he'll bring two, and then he'll have a third to just affirm what everyone else is saying. And it's a total lie. And I know that there are many things that can bind you up, but outside of willful, watch this, outside of willful, sinful actions, nothing's going to bind you up like discouragement. Even when you sin and mess up, there is a voice of discouragement that will be there to remind you. And when you sin, this is getting your mind. I'm speaking to you right now. In your mind, you're saying, I messed up. I don't think I recover. I'll just go back to the same sin. And that discouragement binds up your ability to repent. It binds up your resolve to say, God, I'm going to change my life because you are so self-defeated because you keep going back to the same thing again and again and again. And you wake up and say, I don't want to do that anymore. And then the, then that spirit of discouragement, well, you're never going to make that commitment. You might as well just give up. And that thing leads you right back into that, that, that horrible lifestyle. Those voices get in your mind and makes you believe that there is no hope for you and you have no friend. Do you know how many people have left the church and backslid just simply because they said, nobody loves me. I have no friend here. And you're alone. That's discouragement. Discouragement says nobody loves you. Nobody will ever love you. You're not going to amount to anything and it discourages you. It's an old spirit. It's not new. Help me a little bit here. It's none other than the device of the enemy of every person who is trying. Just a show of hand, who's trying to serve God? Who's not trying to serve God? If you're not trying, this sermon's not for you. If you've come to be a bystander and you're not trying, it's okay. Praise God. You can watch me try. I don't mind. Many people have watched other people walk, have a walk with God. I'm not offended, but I, if you, if you want to join me, just know we're just trying to serve God. I have not perfected. I press for the mark for the prize of the, I'm pressing for it. I did not attain anything. I'm forgetting those things which are behind and I'm pressing for the mark. Help me, help me a little bit with this. Hear me. I, I think we've got to get to the idea that I know that we know we're not where we need to be, but we're not going to stop trying and we're not going to give up. And I'm standing here in this pulpit to tell you that there is a discouraging spirit, but I'm going to bind up that spirit today and God's going to strengthen our hands. 
Come on, just clap your hands unto the Lord and out of your mouth just say, I receive it from you, Lord. Yay. I haven't started dancing and running yet. I'm waiting till the end. Because <laughs> if I stop now, uh, I'm, I'm reading through the scripture. And when I read of Gideon, I found him. He's... He's there, present, but he's hiding in a wine press. When they threshed wheat in the Old Testament, they would go up to a high place where it was windy, and on a stone, a flat stone, they would bring an oxen up there, and they'd put the, the sheaves of wheat. Are you with me? They would put the sheaves of wheat on the stone, and they'd bring the oxen and teach the oxen to stop in place. And the the hooves of the great oxen would actually thresh the wheat and it would separate the heads of the wheat from the the chaff. All the oxen, they they were used for a number of things, but threshing wheat was critical to having bread and food. And if the wheat wasn't threshed, then chaff would end up in the dough and in the mix. It was a a bad mixture. The oxen would pause and thresh wheat. That happened all around. If you look at your Bible, when David was transporting the Ark of the Covenant from from Abinadab's house, rather, to Jerusalem, the Bible says that the oxen stumbled. Well, look at it real carefully. They stopped at a threshing floor. And I submit to you that what looks like they were all tripping, I submit they paused at that threshing floor because they were, the Bible says, at the threshing floor. I'll tell you what those oxen were doing. They were stomping out wheat that wasn't there. And Yuza put forth his hand to steady the Ark of the Covenant and he died. When they threshed wheat, they would go up to the high place and, and on a threshing floor because... That, that high place was a good place for the wind to come by. They'd take that, that thresh wheat and they'd throw it up and the wind would blow away that, that flimsy chaff and the heavy grain would fall back down. And then after the wind would separate it because there was a separation of the chaff and the wheat. The wind separated that. But Gideon had no... He had, he had no high place. He had no threshing floor. He's hiding in a little wine press and He's there and the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, Oh, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. I don't taste right. I don't taste good. What are you talking about? I'm eating my bread and it has chaff in it. I have no high place. And Gideon responds, I don't know who you're talking to because I'm the least of my tribe and my tribe is the least tribe of Israel. Because the enemy was stealing their crops burning everything and taking everything everything they had and the people were planting and the enemy would come at the harvest and the food was all taken they were discouraged and discouragement causes fear and hiding and frailty and weakness 
Look at the Bible. Moses looks around. He sees a burning bush that is not consumed. He wanders over that and the voice of God comes from the burning bush. And God said, go tell Pharaoh that I, I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. God said, I will compel them with my mighty hand. But Moses argues with God because Moses feels insufficient. He was bound by his own inadequacies. Ill-prepared, unsure, and unsteady. And even though he stood before a burning bush that would not be consumed, Moses said, and I quote, but behold, they will not believe me. They're not going to hearken to my voice. Who am I? They will say, the Lord hath not prepared, hath not appeared unto you. They're going to say, you're a liar. And Moses is already defeated before he ever left the burning bush. That's when you know you're bound. That before you ever leave the church and before the sermon's already over, you've already decided, I can't do it. Nobody's going to receive me. Why should I teach a Bible study? I'm not going to make it. And the spirit of discouragement grips your life and snuffs out every good thing that could happen. That's the, that's the parable of Jesus Christ. The sower, 25% were good. 25% fell among, fell among the, 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 the rocks. 25%, the seed came up, but immediately the Bible says, immediately the, the, the thorns came up and choked it out. No sooner than you leave the church after today, you will either receive it, you'll forget, you will forget about it, or you won't believe it. Man, I'm, I'm, I don't know if you feel this. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to tell you, if I was ever walking in the spirit, I'm walking in the spirit. I'm speaking the word of God to the lives of all the people. Because we are conflicted. We ought to be doing more, seeing more things. There ought to be more miracles and signs. I'll tell you why there's not. Because we do not believe that God is in us. We do not believe that greater is he that is within me than he that's in the world. We keep looking at ourselves. We forgot to look at Jesus Christ. We keep measuring our power by our ability. It never was about your ability. It was about the power of the most high God that worketh in you to do, to perform, to execute. Moses said, okay, here, men, I'm going to send you out. Go out. Go. And they all spied out the land. Two came back with a positive report, but the majority agreed. I quote, they told him and said, we came unto the land whether thou sentest us. And surely, yes, it does flow with milk and honey, just like you said. Look at the fruit. Look at the evidence. Nevertheless, the people be strong. And the cities are walled. And they're very great. And moreover, we saw giants there. We can't go. We can't make it. I know it's, it, it might be worth the fight for some, but it's not for me. 
Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of opposition there. And the people that are against us, they're so powerful. And the government's so powerful. And the education forces are so powerful. I don't think I can do it. I don't know that I can take it. And they were defeated and they never even walked into the land. They, they didn't lead anybody else. They walked back with evidence of grapes, maybe the size of their fist. Who knows how big they were? It was amazing. But when they came back, even the evidence of the goodness of God did not help them cross the line. Because the spirit of discouragement grabbed them, grabbed them, and confined them. And they said, we can't do it. Look at the size of the enemy. Look at the task that's hand. And look at us. We're like grasshoppers. Just a note about ecology, plant life, and insects. Grasshoppers do not eat grapes. So if you think you're a grasshopper, then you are. But anyone who's going to eat a grape, you got to think of yourself as something different than a grasshopper. They'll eat the foliage, but they're not going to eat the fruit. I don't want to eat the foliage. I'm here to take everything that God has promised me. I'm almost there. Uh, um, I know. I don't want to point your age out. But there are people that are older than me. My children saw a picture of me and Tammy before we had them. And this was their question. Um, what, what you all do? What did you do? What did you guys do? Do you have any fun? Do you have a... I'm, I'm interpreting. Did you have purpose? You must have been bored stiff. What did you guys do? It's not what we did, kids. It's what we had. Freedom. <laughs> I'll speak the truth and lie not. <laughs> I, I, I know, I, I'm not trying to point out your age, but I want to talk to some folks that are a little older than me, and you think, well, no, this is a young person's game. No, it's not. No, no, it's not. I think there's a senior in our church that a powerful, multi-family Holy Ghost revival can be birthed in you. Now, you don't think that because you think you're past your prime. But I'm going to tell you what, there is no prime and out of prime in God. And there is no season or out of season that you're not supposed to produce. (laughs) You got to be ready no matter what the season is, because there's only one season for revival. That's every day. That's every day. That's every day. Okay, here's your Bible. Because we look at ourselves and we consider our natural and also our emotional deficits. Because some folks have emotional anguish. And that emotional anguish inhibits you. And you think, I don't, I don't believe in myself. Sarah looked at her own body and she looked at her own age. And she said, can I have a child at this age? 
And this is what God replied. He's speaking of himself. God said in Genesis 18, 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the, God said, here's what I'm going to do. At the appointed time, I'm going to return to you. And according to the time of life, Sarah is going to have a son. No, I don't know about that, Lord. Now, you, you got to know how old I am. I just don't get around like I used to. I don't think I can go down the street and witness. You have no idea what God can do in you and through you. There can be a mighty revival of every, for every senior saint at New Life. Because God can birth something in you and you can start a mighty revival. I rebuke the, the word of discouragement and the spirit, the spirit of discouragement out of this house. You're not over. Your ministry is not over. Your home is not over. Your voice is not. It's not over. Let let me just tell one of our elderly men. And when I say elderly, what I mean is anyone older than me. Even a day. In Jesus' name, we're going to bind up discouragement. And you're going to lay hands on someone. And you're not going to have my voice. You're going to have your own voice. And you're going to pray the prayer of faith. And they're going to be healed. And they're going to be healed. Men that are older than me. I'm not telling you how old I am. I can tell some of you, you're just older. (laughs) Think now. You're not done. And your ministry's not done. And you might even say, well, pastor, my ministry never started. Today it's going to start. And you're going to lay hands on someone. You can put your hand on their shoulder. You're going to say, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would heal my brother, my sister, this situation. And there's going to be a miraculous healing because God is in the healing business. He's not in the business of using people in a certain demographic. He's using people who will just make themselves willing. Now, there's no way that I can stand here and do something good without opposition. Because while I stand here, I'm feeling the rapport of the, of the believing saints and I'm feeling the spirit of opposition just, just trying to enclose me and put me in a closet. I, 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 I don't know how to describe it to you, but that's kind of how I'm feeling. Like I'm being bound up. It's not because of you, but you cannot stand here and preach faith and encouragement and power in the Holy Ghost without there being an opposition. This is a spiritual fight. I'm not fighting against people, but I'm fighting against a spirit of opposition that would, that would discourage even this word that I preach to you. Because if you ever get a hold of this, it'll resurrect your entire life. The spirit, the, the enemy is saying, can you even resurrect a stone? Yes, we can resurrect a stone because God can do anything. Wait a second. 
The Lord just told me, I got. I don't know what camera it is, but wherever it is, the Lord just spoke to me is, and said, there's a pastor that's watching and you're very discouraged because you don't feel like what you're doing matters. I want to say to you in the Holy Ghost, whoever you are, wherever you are, the spirit is with you. I bind up that spirit of discouragement. God's going to give you a power for, for revival. You're doing a good work. Do not come down. He's going to strengthen your hands. He's going to strengthen your hands. I don't know who you are, but hold on to this word and say, that's a prevailing spirit, but it will not prevail against the Lord. It might be, I'm going to uncover that thing. I feel, I feel, let me just teach this real quick. Uh, there are elements that are present in the in the last days that they're it's backwards kind of but the remnants were present years ago but they'll be greater in the last days spiritual warfare will be will be more intense in the final days of time Um, spiritual darkness will grow greater in the final days of time. And this is according to the scripture. Paul will write a couple thousand years ago about this moment. Whether he saw it or not, I, I cannot tell you. But he said, he used the term, in the latter times. Which I would submit to you, these are the latter times. These times are in the latter times. And then he'll give us a small description of the spiritual warfare in the latter times. He said, some will depart from the faith. You got the faith, but you're going to leave the faith. You had everything, but you're going to leave it. You had the best, but you, you traded the father's house for a hog trough. Just the Bible. I'm sorry. I wish it wasn't true. You're going to read this in the bulletin coming up. Some people have left truth and they've embraced a lie. And God turned them over to another spirit. It's a delusion. If God sends a delusion that you would believe a lie, you'll defend the delusion as if it was the truth. Because the delusion and the truth feel the same. If they're sent by God. Better get in the word here. Because if people get caught in a delusion. They will yell, scream. They will spit. They will fight. To defend their delusion. Because God sent them. And how, why would God send them that? Because the Bible says. Because they love not the truth. You can't reject the truth. If you've never heard the truth. So he's talking about people. That, that had the truth but didn't love the truth. They heard the truth, but they didn't embrace it. And God said, I'm going to turn you over to a delusion so that you would believe a lie. I may not be the best preacher, but I am preaching the truth. I may not be the best pastor, but I'm your pastor. This is surely not the best church, but at least we have the doctrine and we have the truth. Let me just let me just dissolve some things here. Let me just help you. Let me just help you. No, we're not the friendliest church. 
I'd like us to be the friendly church, but we're not. We got some people that don't like anybody. <laughs> Sorry. I, I wish you'd have the love of God, but we're not the friendliest church. We're not the greatest church. We're not even a great church. We've got a good God, but I'll tell you what we do have. We got the doctrine and we've got the truth. We're not in complete unity, but we're striving. We're trying. <laughs> hey, you don't have the, you don't have the greatest pastor. You surely don't have the tallest pastor. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get taller. I'll tell you what I will do though. I'm going to preach the doctrine. I'm going to love the doctrine. It cuts me, it cuts me too while I'm preaching. I'm going to preach the truth. It, 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 it convicts my own spirit when I'm up here preaching the truth. Don't think that you're the only ones that's feeling the blow of the sharpened sword of the word of God. I'm feeling it too. We're not going to give up on the truth. We're not going to give up on the Lord. We're not going to give up Holy Ghost. We're not giving up the name of Jesus. We're not going to give up on separation. We're not going to give up on worship. We're not going to quit our attendance and faithfulness. Because some are going to depart from the faith. And then he said, some will embrace seduction and seducing spirits the latter times. And some will embrace doctrines of devils. That's false doctrines. That means gospels that are made up in baptisms which are not in the Bible. They'll embrace it. Paul said, some will speak lies in hypocrisy. And they will be convinced that what they're saying is true. But our reply is just an echo of the rebuilder of the wall. This work is too great and too important, and we will not stoop down to your level of nonsense and lies. We will not be discouraged. If I am rebuffed 100 times, and the person or the people that I'm trying to reach and win to the Lord, if they reject me every time, I'm going to the next person. I will not stop trying to find somebody to teach a Bible study to. If everybody so far has rejected you, they will not come to your Bible study. You cannot get in their home. They don't want anything to do with God. You just go to the next person and the next person. There's a reason why the disciples and the apostles often would shake the dust of their feet off against the city. Because they said, we did the best we could, but we're not going to stand here. We're going to find somebody else to reach for the gospel. Oh, yes. Prevailing spirits, they're not going to go away. Uh, you can rebuke the devil, he'll come back. Because they remain on this earth to torment and accuse us, but they do so falsely. They can't stop the work of the Lord, they can impede it. Sometimes we just have to say, I don't receive that. I learned that a few years ago, and it was so liberating. I don't receive that. I had a dream about you. Well, tell me the dream. Yeah, this happened. Yeah, I don't receive that. That's pepperoni. I know what that dream's at. That's indigestion. At the worst, that's the devil. I don't receive that. You ought to stop eating late at night. 
That's lies and hypocrisy. I'm, I'm I don't receive that. You're going down. I'm not going to make. I don't receive that garbage. God is a good God. I'm trying. I'm striving. I'm, I'm working. I'm not. I, listen, if I, get, if I get knocked down, I'll get back up again. But I'm not going down to that level. I'll read it to you. Nehemiah 6.3. This is what Nehemiah said. I sent messengers to those three guys saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Why do I give up on the work just to engage in a conversation that leaves me nowhere? This is a great work. It's the kingdom work. I'm not coming down. Maybe that's why Paul said, Refrain and avoid vain babblings. Just all kind of conspiracy theories and stuff that you can't figure out and people just get, and you spend so much time on that, on that, on that garbage that you have no time for prayer and seeking God. This is, I'll give you, this is what the Lord, Joshua 1 and 8. He will make my way prosperous. God will give us good success. As long as I'm in the word, he's going to make my way prosperous. He's going to give me good success. Here's Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. And the Lord, he is it that doeth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee. He won't forsake thee. Fear not. Don't be dismayed. Let me do it again. He's going to go before you. He'll be there when you get there. He'll be there while you're going because he can be in two places at one time. He's in all the places at one time. And when you get there, he's not going to fail you. And when you get there, he's not going to leave you. So don't be discouraged and don't be dismayed and don't be bewildered because he's in front of you, he's behind you, he's with you, and he's going to stay right next to you. Other translations use the word care, and they, they pull the word care in First Peter to mean anxiety. Okay, maybe. But I like what the King James says, so we'll leave it care. But if you want to, I'm sure there's anxiety in the definition. Peter said, casting all your care upon him. Because he careth for you. The Lord cares. Nobody else cares. God cares. He cares so much. You've been on his mind longer than you've been alive. Isaiah 40, 31, but they that wait upon the Lord, be patient. Your strength will be renewed. You're going to, this is what the Lord said. You're going to mount up with wings like eagle. Oh man, that's soaring high. You're going to run. You won't even get weary. You're going to walk. You're not going to faint. That's good. First Corinthians 15, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abound in the work of the Lord for as much as you know. Let me just tell you, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Everything you're doing for the Lord, it's not in, it's not in vain. When you do your labor and you're working to the Lord, it will never go away. There's always going to be a benefit of it because God is with you. And the spirit of discouragement would like to bind that up. But I'm just going to say today, I'm not receiving that. I'm not coming down. The Lord is with me. He's before me. He's behind me. He's around me. He's, he's, going, to, he's going to lead me right to the place. And when, he gets there, when I get there, he's not going to forsake me. He's not going to forsake you. That's what I told them. There are no such things done as you say. You made them up. They all made us afraid. They said, 
We don't have it in our hands to finish the work. But here's my one prayer. Oh God, strengthen my hands. So this is what they did. They prayed in direct opposition to the word that came to them. Whatever the discouraging word comes to you, you pray in exactly the opposite way. And if the discouraging word says, nobody loves you, this is your prayer. Oh God, I want to say thank you that everybody loves me. And you love me. Oh Lord, no one cares for you. Lord, thank you for caring for me. And I know people care for me. You don't have a part. No one knows where you are and you're hidden. You pray this prayer. Lord, thank you for giving me a place in the kingdom. That my name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. I've got a place. I got a crown. I got a robe. I got a mansion. I got a home. Thank you for that. You're not going to make it. You're probably going to fail. Here's your prayer. Thank you, Lord, because I'm going to endure to the end. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up, and I will make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to strive for the kingdom. I thank you, Lord, for giving me the strength to strive and to keep on going. Thank you, Lord, that I haven't given up today. I got here today. I may not be in great strength, but I know. Strengthen my hands, Lord. I bind up that spirit of discouragement that is always going to be the same way. I bind that up. That's a lie of the devil. It's not going to be the same. You will be renewed. You you will be restored. You will be strengthened. You will overcome. You will overcome. You do have victory in the Lord. You will have victory over that situation. You are not going to die in your sin. You're not going to die in your addiction. You're going to come out of that thing because greater is he that's within you. You don't feel like you are anything, but I'm going to tell you, there's another foundation being laid. I choose to rejoice in the new foundation, and I'm going to build a wall around you and right now nothing's going to come against you I prayed in the name of Jesus I bind up the spirit of discouragement that would lay his wicked hands upon our church and upon our people and upon our congregation and upon our men and our women and upon our children Just let me walk a little bit. I'm walking to build something, Lord. I'm taking dominion, Lord, over this spirit that conflicts our people. I bind it up, Lord. I take dominion. I'm setting up a hedge right now, Lord, around the congregation of the people. I'm building up the hedge right now in the name of Jesus. Come, Tammy, walk with me. Tammy, Tammy, just walk with me. Yabasada, 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 yabasada. 
I build a hedge around our family. I build a hedge around the church. I rebuke spirits of doubt and fear and insecurity. I rebuke the spirits that would come against the body. I'm building up a hedge today. We're taking a dominion over something, Lord. It's a hidden thing, but it's it's making its way. It's manifesting itself. Every voice that's not of you. Everything that doesn't belong to you. I pray against it in the name of Jesus. I pray against it in the name of Jesus. And I bind it up, Lord. You said whatever we bind on earth, it would be bound in heaven. And whatever we loose on earth, it would be loosed in heaven. I pray right now. I pray right now against every spirit that would rise up against the body of believers. Let the household of faith and the commonwealth of this house, Lord, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. 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 Bind it all up, Lord. That spirit is casting fear and doubt and insecurities. It's a divisive spirit, Lord. I pray against it, Lord. Now strengthen our hands, Lord. Now strengthen our hearts, Lord. Now strengthen our hearts, Lord. Let there be a brand new day. Let this be a brand new day. Lord, I pray when we leave this house, let the seed, let the seed grow uninhibitedly. I pray against every weed that would choke it out. against every voice that would try to choke it out. Yes, yes. You're going to make it. You're going to be an overcomer. You will be healed. You will be restored. God will do a work through you. He's looking for you. He's calling your name. do not get discouraged the battle is not over do not get discouraged the battle is not over don't believe the report of the devil don't believe the report of the enemy the enemy's report says you cannot the enemy's report says you are unable but the report of the Lord is greater than the report of the enemy if the whole world is against you the majority is not greater than God just just humor me for a moment and just lift up one or two hands and just lift it up and this is not surrender today this is just Lord we're affirming the word in our hearts right now 
affirming and we're just giving you a thank offering and a praise offering with our hands we're not going to doubt the word you would that we would lift up holy hands and without wrath without doubting we're not going to doubt the word we're going to receive it and out of our mouth with our hands lifted up we're just saying i receive the word now i receive it i receive it i receive it come on somebody wave that back to god give him a wave offering the bible talks about a wave offering come on we're going to give him a wave offering i'm waving this to you lord yes because you're wonderful and good because your mercy endures forever prodigals are still coming back the blind eyes will still be open the deaf ears will still be open the lame will walk the dumb will talk the revival is still there the harvest is still ready the fields are still white right ready for harvest it's not over it's not over in fact the war has just begun 